Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Matthew uh, chapter 6 and verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This verse, uh, I believe, is a summation of, of our passage today. If, if you were here on New Year's Day, uh, this was the very passage that I, that I preached on. I would say uh, it is, is a reminder to us and primarily a reminder to me that, that in God's sovereignty, he would have me preach another passage on uh, anxiety and worry, uh, uh, worriness. And in fact, maybe, maybe a bit of a correction, God would assign us another passage on the necessity of Jesus. This is the God, this is the God we serve, the God who, who reminds us. As you, as you read through the Old Testament, one of the themes that you find over and over and over again is, is this theme of remembrance. God instructs his people numerous times, too many to count, though I'm sure someone has, uh, to remember. Embedded in the Ten Commandments is this reminder to remember, this, to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And why does God do this? Because we are prone to forgetfulness. We are predisposed. We are, we are likely to forget that God worked six days and rested on the seventh. So God commands us to remember. And so for us, for some of us this morning, this passage is not anything new, but, but more of a reminder to us of who Jesus is. And so I, I ask you to, to not be like me when I was a teenager. When I was 16, 17 years old, I had no patience for anybody reminding me of something that I thought I already knew. And in my heart, it was always, I know, I know, I know. Now, now, don't get me wrong, I wasn't foolish. I, I would never say this to my parents or, or anybody in authority, but in my mind, I couldn't hear anything you were saying because in my, in my mind, I'm thinking, I know, I know, I know. Why are you telling me this? And so when we come to God's word, don't come this morning with an I know attitude. I'm going to say some things you probably already heard before, but because of this, we need to approach it with humility. We need to hear God's word anew, afresh, and with, with new eyes and a new heart. So I, I, I ask you to approach it this way. So again, referring to, to Matthew 6, verses 25 through 23, Jesus is teaching on uh, anxiety. And what we see in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through, through 42, is a picture, a story of what anxiety and worry does to us in real time in the life of Martha and Mary. And so there, there are two short 
uh, but important movements in this text this morning, and I want to frame our points around these two movements. The first is that we find Martha going from welcome to worry. We have Martha moving from welcome to worry. And what I hope we, we take from this point, we worry because we fail to see Jesus as Lord. We see in this text this morning that Jesus and his disciples were traveling, and they come to the place of Bethany. And we know from John chapters 11 and 12 that Bethany is the name of this village that, that Luke refers to. And so in, in verse 38, we, we find uh, Luke introducing us to Martha. And it's said that Martha welcomes Jesus into her house. And this is significant because what we see here is Martha being a, a daughter of peace. Earlier in chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples that he sent out, when you come to a house and you meet a son of peace, your peace will remain with them in that house. And so what we find with Martha here is that she welcomes Jesus. She's actually a daughter of peace. And so before we, we get into all the things that Martha gets wrong and, and we kind of beat up on Martha this morning, I want us to understand what Martha gets right. What she gets right is that she welcomes Jesus into her house. It's a blessing when Jesus comes knocking on the door of, of your heart, when Jesus comes knocking at the door of your house. Jesus, he desires to come in and to have fellowship with you. We, we, we rightly frame salvation around the forgiveness of sins, but how much do we emphasize that salvation is about Jesus desiring to make his home with you? Freedom from sin is not, is not all there is to being saved. Sin must be dealt with, but that's only the beginning. The joy of salvation is that you get to, to have a relationship with Christ. Christ comes into, his, into your heart to dwell with you. This is what we find in John chapter 14 and verse 23, when it reads, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's, like, let that sit on you this morning. The Lord of creation wants to make his home with you. This is what Jesus does when he comes He's knocking on the door of our hearts. And, and if that sounds, if that verse sounds too, too conditional for you, remember that 1 John 4 and 19 tells us that we love him because he first loved us. You don't love Jesus without him first loving you. And so the question for you might be this morning, have you welcomed Jesus into your life? Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus comes, he comes knocking with the intent of an intimate personal relationship. And so have you heard the voice of Jesus this morning and opened the door of your heart to him? Martha had. And in this way, we need to be like Martha. You probably wasn't expecting me to say it of any way that we should be like Martha, but again, I think it's worth noting that Martha actually welcomed Jesus. But notice the contrast that Luke makes after Jesus is in the house. Martha welcomed Jesus 
but Mary worshiped Jesus. Isn't it odd that the one that welcomes Jesus into the house is not the same one that sits at his feet as Lord? Pay, pay close attention to how, you, how Luke uses the names of Jesus and Lord interchangeably. I think he's doing this intentionally to draw our attention to where the people are in the passage. We see Martha welcome Jesus into our house, but Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Same person, no distinction between Lord and Jesus, but isn't it interesting how Luke draws a distinction on how they interact with him? One of the things I, I don't hear much talk of now is this, is this idea of lordship salvation. Uh, back in the day, that was a huge topic in, in Christian circles. The term really says the same thing twice because you can't have salvation without Jesus being Lord. Jesus is Lord whether we acknowledge him or not. But what do I mean when I say lordship salvation? By Lord, I mean the one who controls. Jesus is the one who has the power to control, and he uses that power for, our, for his glory and our good. It might be uncomfortable for, for many of us to, to, to understand and submit to the all-controlling nature of Jesus because of fear. But as we have just read, Jesus brings all of himself to you. Jesus doesn't leave his power outside when he comes into your house. He brings all of himself, Lord, Savior, all of it into your life. Faith in Jesus is not, it's not just faith for forgiveness of sins. It's faith that Jesus, as the controlling person in my life, is what's best for me. Luke, in making this contrast between Martha and Mary, highlights for us where, where Martha gets Jesus wrong. We, we read earlier that Jesus knocks at the door and that he comes in and he eats with us and we eat with him. Martha, in this passage, becomes distracted with the needs in her home. Other translations of this passage tells us that Martha was preparing a meal or getting her home suitable for Jesus. What Martha doesn't realize, or perhaps what Martha may have forgotten, was that Jesus brings the meal. Jesus doesn't come to your house because you, he needs you to serve him. Jesus brings the party. The best food wasn't what Martha was cooking. The main course was Jesus. Jesus brings everything you need into your home. And this is what Martha's sister Mary understood. So Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus comes into your house, work stops. You listen. You listen to him. Jesus comes to your house, but not because he needs a meal. Jesus comes so that you might feast on him. Again, there's this idea of, of, of lordship salvation was birthed out of the, the reality that there are Christians who have welcomed Jesus into their life, into their homes, but have not submitted themselves to his lordship. Might that be you this morning? Perhaps you're saved, but not submitting your life to the Lord's will. Instead of you following Jesus, you're looking for Jesus to follow you to follow you in all your ambitions and passions in life, 
And whenever you need him, you'll turn around and say, all right, Jesus, you can take over for this one. This is where I need your help. Is this you this morning? Martha, she, she, had, she had all of her priorities out of order. She wanted to prepare a meal for Jesus, and obviously there'd be, certainly, there'd be time to do that. But first, she needed to feast upon his word. This serves as a reminder to us of how we should approach Vacation Bible School this week. A lot of serving is going to happen this week. But before we serve Jesus and before we serve children this week, take the time to be served by Jesus. Take the time to feast upon his word each day this week. Take the time to, 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 to pray to him and to praise and thank him for giving his life to you. This is the only way we can approach serving, with feasting on Jesus beforehand. When we get serving and, and listening to Jesus out of order, anxiety sets in. This is the case because something always goes wrong. When we grow anxious, what do we do? We lack patience. Anxiety and patience can't, can't dwell in the same time. One of them will win over the other. We find patience in Galatians 5 listed as a fruit of the Spirit. It can be easily said that anxiety is a fruit of the flesh. You see, an anxiety seeks a quick resolution. It's the very opposite of patience. Martha was distracted by the need to feed at least 13 people in her home. And Martha, being full of anxiety, she had enough. The text doesn't say it, but perhaps it's very likely that she probably interrupted Jesus' teaching to tell him what to do. Again, I believe Luke is intentional here in using the words Lord and Jesus to direct us where people are in the passage. Martha, now she calls Jesus Lord, has instructions for him. In verse 40, Martha says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now she calls upon him as Lord because she needs something done. Why should Jesus stop teaching God's word to order her sister to focus on dinner? What we see in Martha here is a symptom of the preoccupation of anxiety. When we are anxious about things, we get upset because it seems like God is not even looking. He doesn't even care about what's happening to us. Notice how she confronts Jesus. She asks him, do you not care? She accuses Jesus of not having the appropriate concern for her. For Martha, if you came into this house to really help me, what I need you to do right now is to not be teaching but to teach, to, to teach my sister to help me. It's interesting. This, this isn't the only place where Jesus' care and concern was questioned. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 38, the disciples, they, they woke up Jesus on the ship in the midst of the storm, and they asked him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And from this, we must learn that submitting to Jesus as Lord means he might not respond to your cares as you think he should. Just because Jesus doesn't respond when you want him to, how you want him to, in all the ways you want him to, doesn't diminish his care and concern for you. 
1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7 tell us to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We cast our cares on Jesus in humility, knowing that we don't know the best outcome. Jesus demonstrates how we should approach casting our anxieties on God by by the way that he cast his cares on God. In Luke chapter 42 and verse 42, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus' love for us, he doesn't prove his love to us by doing exactly what, what we command him to do. And Martha, she had yet to see this fully, but for us, we see how Jesus has demonstrated his love. Romans 5 and verse 8 tells us how God shows his care and concern for us, and that God shows his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Think of the, think of the audacity of Martha to get up and to confront Jesus and tell him how he should care for her. This shows truly who, who sat on the throne of her life. I'm reminded of that, of that old TV show, The Brady Bunch, and there was a char- character there named Marsha, and from the time to time, you would hear, hear her sister say, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Everything's about Marsha. Might we replace that name with Martha here? It was Martha, Martha, Martha. Everything was driven by her concerns and what she needed, and she knew, she thought that Jesus was there in her house to grant her every concern and care. And we see in Martha confronting Jesus a frustration that she even had to come to him. We get get frustrated with God in the same way. We ask the same questions. Why am I even having to pray, pray to you about this? Don't you see this is happening? Don't you care that this is happening to me? Aren't you the God who sees all? I know you see this. Why aren't you doing something about it? What we see in Martha is an example for us of someone who allowed themselves to be preoccupied with her earthly needs and not prioritizing Jesus. I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we we all find ourselves like Martha. And so the question for you is, what has you distracted this morning? What are the problems and decisions and issues that await you in the morning when you wake up? In what ways are you tempted to confront God and ask him, do you care that this is happening to me? If you're like Martha this morning and anxiety has distracted you from focusing on Jesus, I want you to know that there's grace. There's grace. There's mercy for you this morning. Jesus responds to Martha's request with grace and mercy. Jesus is the same today, extending grace to us, extending grace to those who who have been tortured by their anxieties in life. Jesus, in his response to Martha, shows her that her needs weren't necessities. This is the transition, and this is the second our second movement we see in the text, we see Martha went from worry, from welcome to worry. Now Jesus is going to show her that her needs weren't necessities. And what I want to focus on in, this, in these two verses, verse 41 and 42, is the fact that Jesus is necessary. What we find in, in verse 
41 is that Jesus responds to Martha with compassion. You can, you can almost feel it in the way that he says her name twice. I can imagine Jesus looking at her with compassion and saying, oh, Martha, Martha. And although Jesus doesn't behave like a, like a genie giving her whatever she wants, he's not a yes man there to, to, to be at her beckon and call, yet Jesus still comes to her as he speaks of himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, gently and lowly. This is encouraging for us who find ourselves weary from our worries. We can come to Jesus expecting a gentle Savior, a gentle Lord. Jesus responds to Martha's anxiety-filled request with gentle correction. He, he addresses her with compassion, and he tells her that you're anxious and troubled about many things, and that only one thing is necessary, and your sister has chosen the good portion, and that won't be taken away from her. And in other words, Jesus is saying to us, that we should worship him instead of doing so many things. Jesus does two things in his response to Martha. In Jesus' words to Martha, he removes and replaces burdens. I think we see this clearly in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. There Jesus says to us this morning, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, in a a gentle and lowly manner, diffuses Martha's anxiety, not by just telling her that she's wrong, but by removing from her the burdens she was so worried about. Jesus told Martha that her sister had chosen the good portion and that wouldn't be taken away from her. But in gently calling out her anxieties and troubles, he removes the burdens that replace and replaces them with one she could carry. He tells her that only one thing was necessary. If Martha would believe Jesus by faith, all those other carries would be taken away. And from this we see the necessity of Jesus and that Jesus is necessary. Jesus tells her, Only one thing is necessary. I'm necessary. What you truly need is me. Why do you ask that? Why? Why? Why is Jesus necessary? Jesus is necessary because we know we need him. We come to Jesus with our cares and anxieties, and oftentimes what we need is not what we ask for. We just simply need more of Jesus. And this is what Jesus does for Martha. She was worried about whether the potato salad would be finished in time. But Jesus reminded her that I give definition to the meal. What's what's dinner without Jesus? It's just just food on the table. It's just something you're going to do every day. But what is dinner with Jesus? It's an occasion for joy, for meaning, for purpose, for celebration. It's a lot of things. But one thing it is not, it's not an occasion to be anxious. There's no room for anxiety when Jesus is around. Jesus' love for us should cast out all our fears. What does she have to worry about? If the pot roast was overcooked, Jesus, at the snap of a finger, could make a pot roast appear, and it'd be the best pot roast you would ever have. (laughs) 
I learned something recently of how Jesus answers our prayers uh, through a men's group. Uh, there, there was a man in this, in this men's group that week after week he would talk about how difficult uh, his job was and uh, he would ask us to pray for him in that way. And recently, someone in the group asked him uh, how his job was going. Uh, and he was, he, was, he was almost reluctant to say, surprisingly, the job is doing better. And one of the things he realized was that the job hadn't changed, but that Jesus had given him a better disposition. <laughs> Jesus gave him the capacity to deal with people better. In other words, he prayed for removal of the job, and Jesus gave him more of himself. And more often than not, then this is the answer to our prayers. We come to Jesus with a laundry list of things that we need. And what does he do in response? He gives us more of himself. Because that's actually what we need. Those things we ask for are temporary. What we need is more of Jesus. And this is why Jesus came. Jesus came to Martha's house, not because she had it all together, but because she was full of anxiety. Jesus knew this. He knew the house. He knew the door he was knocking on. He knew the, the mess before he even stepped into it. He knows the same about you. And yet he still enters into our hearts. He enters into our lives to give us more of him. Jesus comes into your house to, to show you uh, that, that you need him, and he does so in specific ways so that you don't miss it. Martha was lovingly exposed so that she could see how Jesus was necessary in her life. So another question for us this morning is, do you know specifically how Jesus is necessary in your life? I'm not just talking about salvation and kind of this general sense of being forgiven for your sins, but personally for you, do you know the detailed ways that Jesus is necessary in your life? One way you might answer this is to think about, without Jesus, what would you be consumed by? What would be the thing that ruled your, your life and your heart without Jesus? And this is, again, this is why Jesus is necessary, because, because we need him. Another thing we see in this passage is Jesus is necessary because eternity is important. Eternity is more important than the temporary concerns of this life. This is why Jesus wouldn't have Mary help Martha, because getting dinner prepared was a temporary thing. Why remove Mary from what she would enjoy for eternity to focus on something as temporal as dinner? What good is there in praying for, for physical health when you have a sin-sick soul? This is why Jesus oftentimes would forgive sins in addition to physical healing to draw significance to why he came. He could heal you from heaven. He came to earth that you might have eternal life. When we think about it, one day bills and, and debt will be taken away from you. The problems you have at work, those are temporary problems. Don't look towards retirement. You might retire and have to go back to work. Think about the price of eggs. The price of eggs is driven down. It might go back up. But do you know what doesn't fluctuate? Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look to Jesus. He doesn't change. And notice the, notice the promise that he gives Mary and Martha in this passage. 
that when you choose him, nothing will take you away from him. That, it's amazing. He won't, he won't allow it. In these brief words of Jesus, he could have just told Martha no. Because that's essentially kind of what he tells her. Her request was that you would have my sister help me. And, and in not just saying no, Jesus says no in such a way that Martha would say yes to him. This is the Jesus that we worship. The God that, that not only gives a no, but, give, but offers a yes and amen in Jesus. This is what we find in, first, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, where it declares that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. Jesus promises that choosing him won't be taken away from you. Have you chosen to sit at Jesus' feet? Wouldn't, wouldn't you like for your anxieties and troubles to be removed? Think of, think of the comfort and security there is in knowing that Jesus won't be taken away from me. Not my work, not my family, circumstances, nothing can take us away from Jesus. This is what we find in Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, where it says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the promise that he gives to Mary. Mary, you have chosen the better portion. I'm not going to take you away from me to serve temporary things. So again, I, I, I implore you this morning to, to listen to him. He tells you to come. What, what I find amazing uh, as we look over scripture is that one of the overarching themes is, is God's invitation to come. From Genesis to Revelation, God is calling his people over and over and over again to come to him. So much so that at the end of the Bible, it's, it's almost as if I, we're done with all the scriptures, but I just, I just got to give one more invitation to come. This is what we find in Revelation 22 and verse 17. Again, I, I don't know about you, I just find this amazing. When I remember reading this recently and just seeing that at the end of the scriptures. What's his refrain? To come. This is what we find, where it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And so I, I implore you this morning to come to Jesus he comes to us gentle and lowly, not as one with a threat. He comes to knock at the door of your heart, to knock at the door of your house. He says, I want to come in and have a personal relationship with you. Wouldn't you won't you come to him, bring your worries and cares to him, and he will exchange those for the water of life. Let's pray.